I honestly can't remember a time when I didn't dream of becoming a lawyer. I guess it's because when I was four, my grandmother passed away and I lost every opportunity I had to build a relationship with her. She was a lawyer and I thought maybe I could still have a sense of connection with her if I become like her. I wanted that connection, so I worked hard for it. And here I am, not yet a lawyer, but a few steps away from becoming one. Truth be told, however, it was not an easy journey. To be a woman who has dreams, I had to overcome quite a number of obstacles. I had teachers who told me I wasn't good enough. Classmates who told me I was too weak and sensitive to face the real world. People who told me that I didn't have to waste years of my life studying because once I find a rich husband, I don't even have to work anymore. It makes me sick to the core knowing how just a few words can invalidate someone else's dreams. It was too damn easy to just believe in what they said, but my parents did not raise a quitter. They raised a warrior, and I have no plans of giving up on my dreams without putting up a fight. It's a battle I wouldn't even dare taking on if not for my grandmother who taught me that a girl can dream. And for that, I am forever grateful. In paying it forward, it becomes our duty to continue taking up space, to go places where no woman has ever gone before, to show young girls out there that it is possible to live the dream. We owe it to the great women who have come before us to pass on that message. Living in a patriarchal society, women have been exposed to more human rights violations than men. And it took decades and centuries of struggle before women's rights have been recognized as human rights. Such did not happen overnight. The state of women's rights today is a product of a long line of history and a constant assertion of women's place in this world. In this episode, I'd like us to look back at the greatest battles that women have won. And from there, let us look forward to the battles that have yet to be won. Much of the rights we enjoy today, we owe to those who have come before us. As we look back at the greatest moments in the history of women's rights, it becomes apparent how a certain era narrates the extent of oppression women had to face during their own time. One of the earliest recorded signs of activism dates back to the 1830s where many women acted on their religious conviction and accepted an invitation to become involved in the American Anti-Slavery Society. The conservative members objected based on a belief that it was against God and nature for women to engage in politics. In 1840, during the Anti-World Slavery Convention, the organizers made it clear that the said meeting was for gentlemen only. Lucretia Mott and Elizabeth Cady Stanton, along with a number of American and British women delegates, appeared to take their seats in the said convention. As expected, however, only male delegates were allowed to participate, while women, they were made to watch and listen without taking part. While men took the main floor for the opening session, women were made to stay on the sides. Mott and Stanton went home together that day and resolved to form a society which would advocate the rights of women. And that's exactly what they did. In 1848, hundreds of women and men gathered together in Seneca Falls, New York for the purpose of discussing social, civil, and religious conditions and rights of women. This gathering is now known as the Seneca Falls Convention where the Declaration of Sentiments and Grievances was introduced. 
is a testament to the injustices, inequities, and invisibilities that the American women felt, its preamble proclaimed, We hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men and women are created equal. The Seneca Falls Convention was organized by Women for Women, which triggered and solidified women's rights in America. Over 70 years after the said convention and after long years of activism, the 19th Amendment enfranchising women was finally ratified. The suffrage struggle had become a worldwide movement which paved the way for many women in the West to gain the right to vote in the early 20th century. Considering the injustices suffered by women and the efforts made by suffrage activists, the grant of women's right to vote sends a strong message that women deserve a seat in the table and a role in decision-making processes. At a time when family planning or women's healthcare were not yet a narrative in the public discourse, Margaret Sanger founded the birth control movement and became a lifelong advocate for women's reproductive rights. In 1916, she opened the first birth control clinic in Brownsville, Brooklyn, which had put New York's anti-contraception law to test. The court ruled that physicians could prescribe contraceptives to women for medical reasons. Said ruling allowed Sanger to open a clinic in 1923 with female doctors and social workers. As women continued to take up more space, Eleanor Roosevelt also became the American delegate for the recently formed United Nations and was elected in 1946 as the head of the United Nations Human Rights Commission. Not long after, the Universal Declaration of Human Rights was adopted, which served as the International Bill of Rights along with the International Covenant on Civil and Political Rights and the International Covenant on Economic, Social, and Cultural Rights. In drafting the UDHR, much debate on the use of the term all men was had. In the end, however, the UDHR was adopted using gender-neutral terms such as all human beings and everyone in order to leave no doubt that the said universal declaration is indeed universal, intended for everyone, men and women alike. In 1952, the Covenant on Political Rights of Women was enacted by the United Nations calling for women's right to vote and the right to stand for elections. women's political rights continue to flourish, a woman named Rosa Parks also took her place in the history of women's civil rights when she boarded a segregated city bus and took a seat near the middle, just behind the front white section. When the seats for the white section was taken, the bus driver ordered Parks to stand so a white man could sit. Parks refused to do so. Consequently, she was arrested and convicted for violating the laws of segregation. Park's subsequent arrest, however, led to what is now known as the Montgomery Boycott, when blacks in Montgomery boycotted public buses which lasted 381 days. This boycott resulted in the United States Supreme Court declaring racial segregation on public buses as outlawed. As written in American history, the Montgomery Boycott is considered to be one of the greatest social revolutions with its effects lasting up to this day. According to Rosa Parks, I quote, the time had just come when I had been pushed as far as I could stand to be pushed, I suppose. I had decided that I would have to know once and for all what rights I had as a human being and as a citizen, end quote.
It was, of course, in 1979 when the United Nations General Assembly adopted the Convention on the Elimination of All Forms of Discrimination Against Women, which paved the way for many changes in the traditional role of men and women in the family and society. Moving closer to home, Maria Corazon Aquino also took a pivotal role in the history of women's rights movement when she became the first female president of the Philippines and the first female president in Asia. The list of the greatest women in our history could go on and on. This is not to say, however, that the journey had always been smooth sailing. In between bouts of victory are moments of loss and defeat. Among the countless defeats in the women's rights history is the 1855 case of Misery versus Celia, where a black woman was declared the property without a right to defend herself against a master's act of rape. In Bradwell versus Illinois, the United States Supreme Court ruled that a state has a right to exclude a married woman from practicing law. In Minor v. Happersett, it was declared that despite the Privileges and Immunities Clause, a state can prohibit a woman from voting. Looking back at our history, we have seen how women began from being on the sides to slowly but surely taking up more space and asserting their place in society. Women's rights activism was a conscious choice made by these women, even if such choice entailed a great sacrifice on their part. Today, more and more women continue the struggle towards gender equality and women empowerment. In today's time, women's rights activists face a different kind of evil. Be that as it may, women from across the years share a certain kind of lineage, a shared experience of injustice, inequality, and discrimination. It thus behooves upon the women of today to continue marching forward until a shared experience of gender parity and equality becomes the kind of lineage that connects each and every woman. These years of activism resulted in a global women's rights movement which has become a visible player in civil society. In the words of Joanna Kerr, Executive Director of the Association for Women's Rights and Development, feminists a hundred years ago could never have dreamed of the successes so many of us enjoy. In the 1990s, women's rights movement has become a visible player in the United Nations. This development came with a number of legal implications which include the incorporation of the female narrative in the global policymaking processes. From a male-dominated policymaking process, the global women's rights movement has changed the discourse, revealing complex links between women and global development. Today, women's rights movement faces a number of key issues which affect women and girls around the world. These issues include access to education, employment opportunities, reproductive health and rights, maternal health, gender-based violence, child marriage, water and sanitation, gender equality. While we acknowledge the great developments that came before us, important gaps remain as women's realities constantly change. Indeed, women from across the years share a common experience of discrimination, which, however, presents itself in many forms and thus requiring constant activism and vigilance. 
Among the many issues that women face today, gender-based violence runs at the core of it. Women have been locked up in order to prevent them from being unfaithful while their husbands are away. Women have been battered, raped, and are held involuntarily in slavery for prostitution and pornography. Compulsory labor, arranged marriages, and enforced heterosexuality all contribute to a denial of a woman's physical integrity and right to marriage by choice. Women face terrorism in the form of sexual assault in the workplace. Women are fed less and are taken to the doctors less often maimed by inequitable distribution of resources. Female genocide is perpetrated against women through female infanticide and malnutrition of girls. Behind the greatest achievements of women in history are moments of violence, discrimination, and inhumane treatment, all of which a woman bears just because she is a woman. As a product of the constant activism and vigilance of the women's rights movement across the globe, several international and regional instruments for the protection of the human rights of women have been institutionalized. On an international level, the UDHR, ICCPR, ICESPR, and CEDAW remain to be the major instruments concerning women's rights. In addition to these international human rights standards, regional human rights treaties have also been institutionalized in order to protect women's rights. Among these regional instruments are the African Charter on Human and People's Rights and its Protocol on the Rights of Women in Africa, which specifically mentions the obligation of African states to ensure the elimination of every discrimination against women and also ensure the protection of the rights of the woman and child as stipulated in international declarations and conventions. The Charter of the Organization of American States also adopted the American Convention on Human Rights and the Inter-American Convention on the Prevention, Punishment, and Eradication of Violence Against Women. Europe, on the other hand, has adopted the European Convention on Human Rights and Fundamental Freedoms, which prohibits discrimination on any ground including sex in the enjoyment of the rights contained therein. Under the said convention, individuals can bring complaints to the European Court of Human Rights based on allegations of violations of the convention. The most recent development in the said region is the adoption in 2011 of the Istanbul Convention on Preventing and Combating Violence Against Women and Domestic Violence. these legal instruments in place, global commitment to women's rights and equality continue to gain much support. In 1975, International Women's Year, Mexico City had hosted the World Conference which resulted in the World Plan of Action, with 1975 to 1985 considered as a United Nations decade for women. In addressing global challenges to human rights, Women's movements have become central to shifting the focus of human rights from a feminist perspective. The history of women's rights is a narrative of how women moved from the margins to the center by questioning the most fundamental concepts of our social order. In facing complex issues involving women's rights today, we have been armed with these legal frameworks as a source of our right. Today, we live the legacy that the women before us fought for. Indeed, Alice Paul's words in 1923 still continue to resound in our times louder than ever, and I quote, 
I always feel the movement is a sort of a mosaic. Each of us puts in a little stone and then you get a great mosaic at the end. End quote. It is our duty as women of the day to continue this great mosaic called women empowerment and gender equality. Women's rights movement in the Philippines grew from a unique historical perspective which dates back to the pre-Spanish period when women in the Pacific archipelago were active in social, economic, and political decision-making. However, the imposed Spanish colonial culture turned the tide against women as male superiority was introduced in the Philippine narrative. After the Spanish colonization, Americans came, which reinforced male control of both economic and religious life. Looking back to the Philippine colonial history, strong women emerged to lead the resistance against the colonizers. Gabriela Silang has played a significant role in the history of women's rights in the Philippines when she formed an army of 2,000 men after her husband was killed. She was later on captured and hung in full view of her followers. Such heroism did not come without a price. The story of Gabriela Silang will always be a reminder that in our blood runs the blood of a hero. To be a woman in a third world country like the Philippines only exacerbates the struggle towards women empowerment. Before the CEDAW came into effect, the Philippines had signed and ratified it along with the optional protocol thereby becoming the first ASEAN country to do so. The active participation of the Philippines signaled the great development which awaits the women's rights movement in the country. This development had led to the enactment of the landmark legislation Magna Carta of Women and other laws and measures with a policy towards protecting women from violence and discrimination. Despite these legislations in place, however, Filipinas remain to be victims of various forms of human rights violations, the most prevalent of which is violence against women. This glaring failure of the Philippines to fully protect women's rights has been brought before the Committee on the Elimination of Discrimination Against Women, when Karen told her story of injustice perpetrated by the state itself. During her stint as the executive director of the Davao City Chamber of Commerce and Industry, she claimed to have been raped by a 60-year-old former president of the chamber. She filed a case against the accused and nine years later, the RTC of Davao City ruled to acquit the accused based on Karen's failure to escape when she had so many opportunities to do so. According to the said RTC, Karen's testimony left too many doubts in the mind of the court to achieve moral certainty to merit a conviction. Karen brought this case before the committee, claiming that she has suffered re-victimization by the Philippines after she was raped. The committee found that Karen's case was based on gender-based myths and misconceptions about rape and rape victims, in violation of the provisions under CEDAW. CEDO places obligations on all state organs and that state parties can be responsible for judicial decisions which violate the provisions of the CEDO. 
stereotyping affects women's right to a fair and just trial and that the judiciary must take caution not to create inflexible standards of what women or girls should be or what they should have done when confronted with a situation of rape based merely on preconceived notions on what defines a rape victim or a victim of gender-based violence in general. The RTC judge came to the conclusion that Karen had a contradictory attitude by reacting both with resistance at one time and submission at another. RTC expected a behavior from Karen, who was perceived by the court as being not a timid woman who could easily be cowed. To expect Karen to have resisted in the situation at stake reinforces in a particular manner the myth that women must physically resist the sexual assault. There should be no assumption in law or in practice that a woman gives her consent because she has not physically resisted the unwanted sexual conduct, regardless of whether the perpetrator threatened to use or used physical violence. This case was an important milestone in women's rights movement in the Philippines as it has demanded accountability from state-perpetrated violations of women's rights. Notwithstanding said ruling in Vertido versus the Philippines, however, an examination of recent Philippine jurisprudence reveals a bitter truth that gender-based stereotypes remain embedded in our case law and thereby institutionalizing certain women's rights violations to the prejudice of each and every woman in the country. Admittedly, much remains to be done in the struggle towards genuine equality and empowerment. As long as stereotypes and myths remain embedded in our social institutions, demands for women's rights would remain to be but a mere theory and paper without reaching its maximum potential. As the world faces yet another challenge in the form of a global pandemic, women find themselves at a greater risk of domestic violence. With the coronavirus outbreak, homes have been on lockdown. While we continue to take refuge in our homes, domestic violence continues to rise in number. During the first three weeks of lockdown in the United Kingdom, women have shared pictures of injuries to raise awareness of domestic violence since the start of lockdown. According to a Mexican lawyer, alarming is the fact that many more women could die because of domestic violence than COVID. As I said earlier, the greatest moments in history are not without moments of struggles and hardships. The women of today are currently experiencing all sorts of human rights violations, a battleground which we find ourselves in. In an attempt to address the issue on domestic violence in the time of COVID, Women's Funding Network launched the Signal for Health campaign, which is a one-handed gesture that women and children, as well as men, can use on a video call or in person to communicate that they feel threatened. As we continue to fight violence against women during this difficult time, women leaders continue to take up space as they lead the countries with the best coronavirus responses. The concept of human rights is never static. It is our bounden duty to continue redefining women's rights according to specific experiences of women in order to make more women visible and to transform women's rights as a reality for all men and women to enjoy. 
we owe it to the women who came before us to continue marching forward until every woman knows what it truly means to be a woman. These rights were not given to us by those who feel superior. These rights are a product of centuries of activism and assertion. Women did not beg for these rights, for we do not beg for what is rightfully ours. To the great women who have come before us, Ruth Bader Ginsburg, Rosa Parks, Marie Curie, Anne Frank, Maya Angelou, Corazon Aquino. To the women who continue to lead the way, Jacinda Adern, Lenny Robredo, Christina Cook, Jessica Meir, Louis Gluck, Emmanuel Charpentier, Jennifer Doudna, Andrea Jez, my mother of course. To all the unnamed women who continue to inspire us, thank you and we will continue marching forward. like to end this episode with a quote from Audre Lorde. I am not free while any woman is unfree, even when her shackles are very different from my own.